87. Psalm 87. Psalm 87. We pretty much just sang Psalm 87. Uh, the truths that we are about to look at this evening are very clear, and specifically in the first two verses of the song that we just sang, uh, come almost directly from uh, this psalm. Uh, so that'll be neat to, to walk through it now that we've sung. Right, so let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we rejoice in your grace. We recognize that we are undeserving. Heavenly Father, we know how sinful we are. We know our need to be here for Christian fellowship, to be under the preaching of the word, to spend time in prayer. And Heavenly Father, we pray that this evening as we gather together, that our hearts would be encouraged. Maybe even this week, there's been some things that have drug us down. Maybe there's some things that are distracting us, that are pulling us away. And yet, Heavenly Father, may, may this, even this service, be an anchor, be a reminder, be a sign pointing us back to Christ and to our hope something to cling to. And may this week, um, even as we saw Sunday evening, may we immerse ourselves in the word of God and spend time in prayer that you may be honored. In the prayerless name of Jesus Christ, amen. Psalm 87. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken of you, O city of God, Selah. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this one was born here. And of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the peoples, this one was born here, Selah. Both the singers and the players on the instruments say, all my springs are in you. It's a very interesting psalm. First couple times you read through it, it might not make sense. Um, And yet, as you come to focus on as you come to read it time and time again and you you let it uh, you, you meditate on it it's a glorious psalm in fact one of the commentators I regularly find myself going to in the psalms he started out rather than jumping into explaining the text he said now that you've read it read it again and then again and then again and then meditate on it before you come back uh, it is one of those psalms that That is good for our hearts to meditate on. It's a psalm of rejoicing at what God will do. It looks forward to the millennial kingdom when when Christ will reign from Jerusalem. And really this psalm sings the praises of Jerusalem, but not because Jerusalem, the city, is so great. 
Not because Jerusalem is better than Paris or, or Babylon or London or, or whatever other city. It's, it's because Jerusalem is great because her God is great. That's the point of Psalm 87. It starts out really almost in the, in the middle of a, a thought. It strikes you almost as if the, the psalmist is just is so struck with inspiration, so ready to just write. It's, just, it's flowing out of him. He doesn't even stop to, to do a full sentence. He just starts with, his foundation is in the holy mountain. He can't wait to get it out. Obviously his here is, is God. I don't know if you've ever been like that. That happens to me sometimes um, as I'm, I'm studying a passage all week. I'm meditating on it. I'm praying through it. And, and sometimes it'll just, you know, I'm, I'm driving or I'm taking a shower, whatever it is, and it'll just, it'll just click. And I, I just, I get it. And I've got to write it down really quickly. And I, I try to hurry to get to where I'm going so I can jump out. and write. That's almost how it comes across here. His foundation is in the holy mountain. His God, his, his foundation is in the holy mountain. This holy mountain, Jerusalem, built in the mountains of Judea. It's his foundation, his, his base, if you will. Really, when you stop to think about it, Jerusalem is central, is central to God's work in the world. It is Jerusalem where the temple was, where God's dwelling place on earth. Even if you go back further, just this past Sunday, we talked about Melchizedek. He was a king, of, a priest of the Most High God, king of Salem. Most, most, peop, most biblical scholars think that Salem is Jerusalem. And that he was, we know he's from that general area, and so they think that Salem's from there. And so, so even then, all the way back then, before even Abraham, or Abraham's time, there's a king-priest who worships God Most High in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where, the, is where Jesus had his triumphal entry. This is where he was crucified. This is where he rose from the dead. Is where just outside he ascended into heaven, where he's coming back to again, and it's where he will establish his kingdom and he will rule from. It is this holy mountain that is God's foundation. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. Gates there representing the, the city itself. God loves this city. This is his city on his mountain. He loves the gates of Zion. I think we kind of get that, that idea of the, the gates representing the, the city. I think of, uh, as we travel down to South Carolina, I feel like I, I use our trip down to South Carolina and back a lot in my illustrations because it's something I dread so much each year. It's just a long drive. <laughs> but you get going and, you, and you're driving 17 hours and, and finally you get to Asheville and you're coming around the corner and you see this sign that says, Welcome to South Carolina. It's refreshing. It's exciting. You almost want to stop and get a picture of it. You've seen it a million times, but you're here. You've made it. And how sweet the gates of Jerusalem must have been to these weary pilgrims. Traveling up these dusty, difficult, dangerous roads. How sweet these gates are. Even the Lord loves these gates, loves this city, more than all the dwellings of Jacob. 
The whole land of Israel is special, but, but Israel stands out. This place is special. This place is unique. Jerusalem is God's. It is his foundation. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. The psalm is going to get into some of these glorious things, looking to the future, some of the things that will take place here. And yet at the same time, as the psalmist pens this, they must have had in their mind the psalmist, the other psalmists and prophets who have rejoiced over Jerusalem, who have wept over Jerusalem. The exiles who have longed for Jerusalem. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Glorious things are spoken. God has done great things here. And God will do great things here. Her future is bright because her God is great. As you come to verse 4 then, now there's kind of a turn. So the psalmist in these first three verses kind of focuses on the greatness of the city, the uniqueness of the city. It is God's foundation. It is his holy mountain. He loves the gates of Zion. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, more than all the dwellings of Jacob. This city stands out. But then as you come to verse 4, there's a turn. And here the focus was really on the future. I'll make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, this one uh, was born here. This one was born here. This verse is kind of odd at first. It strikes us. What's going on here? What does Rahab have to do with Babylon? Well, Rahab here is not... Uh, the uh, lady from um, Jericho, the prostitute, the Canaanite prostitute. That is not who is in mind here. Uh, in fact, as I was studying, uh, they say that the, the spelling in, in the Hebrew is different between Rahab, uh, the prostitute, uh, that we know, and this Rahab. This Rahab here is really a mythical sea creature that represents Egypt. In fact, in Isaiah 37, Egypt is specifically identified with Rahab. In fact, it's called Rahab. So what the psalm is saying here, I will make mention of Rahab or Egypt and Babylon. Now those two nations, Egypt and Babylon, immediately grab our attention. Those are two of the great enemies of Jerusalem. In fact, it is those two enemies specifically in which Israel has spent many centuries in, in cap, or lots of time in captivity, both in Egypt and in Babylon. And yet here in verse 5 and going forward, it, it's not that the psalmist is calling for God's judgment against Egypt and against Babylon and against uh, Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia. Rather, It's a very friendly approach. The idea here is not that God would bring judgment against them, but that they will come to Jerusalem to join in worship. I will make mention of of Rahab or Egypt and Babylon to those who know me. 
Behold, O Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia, Philistia and Tyre, two enemies who are nearer to Israel. Ethiopia, uh, another far-off nation. And what is it that is said, this one was born here. This one was born here. This one belongs here. That's odd at first. What do you mean they belong here? It's Egypt, it's Babylon, it's, it's the Philistines, it's Tyre, it's Ethiopia. They don't belong here. This is God's city. They're pagans, they don't belong here. And yet they do. They belong here. He goes on, of Zion. It will be said, this one and that one were born in here, and the Most High himself shall establish her. It's a blessing and honor to be born, to live in Jerusalem. And it is God himself who has done this. In fact, it is God himself who must do this. Because when you look at the course of history, that whole area has just been ripe with conflict. If there's going to be peace between Egypt and Babylon and the Philistines and Tyre and Ethiopia and Israel, it must be God who does it. And he will do it. That's the point of this psalm. God will do it. And how great the grace of God that reaches even to his enemies and invites them to his city and to his table to come and to be at home. You belong here. This is the Lord's doing. And note, if you will, that here in, in verses 4 and 5, it's the psalmist, it's the Israelites who are singing this. And we don't get a, a hint of jealousy here. Rather, it's awe of what God is doing. It is satisfaction that a time is coming when Israel will accomplish her purpose, when we will be a light to the Gentiles, when truly, as Genesis 12, 3, as God promises Abraham, truly all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Israel. They will come and they will worship God here in Jerusalem. I think this is why, why the psalmist starts just so abruptly. This is exciting, even so. Come, Lord Jesus, let us see this. Verse 6, the Lord will record when he registers the people, this one was born there, Selah. The Lord will record it. He will keep record. That's interesting. In, in other Psalms, in other passages, we see the idea of, of names being blotted out of the unrighteous. Psalm 9.5, Psalm 69.28. The names of the unrighteous are blotted out from God's book. And yet here, God is writing names in. He's inviting them, come, and he's keeping record. And this is God's doing. It is most high himself who establishes her. You come to verse 7. This is the response in that day of those who are there. The singers and the players, those who are there. On that day, they say, all my springs are in you. All my springs. 
My source of joy, the source of life itself and salvation is all from God. All who worship the Lord in this glorious kingdom confess this truth. Isaiah 12, another passage that looks forward to this day. Isaiah 12 is an interesting psalm, a hymn that comes in the, in the middle of uh, these verses here. And then Isaiah 12 says this, In that day, that's the day that we're looking at here in Psalm 87, the day when Christ established his kingdom, when he is ruling, when the nations are coming to Jerusalem to worship God, on that day, you will say, O oh Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Is that not our testimony? God was angry with me. Rightfully so. I was a sinner. I was deserving. And yet now, the same one that was angry with me has turned to me in grace and mercy. That's the testimony of these nations who are coming to Jerusalem. We were his enemies. And now we're coming to his city and to his table to worship. I will praise you, though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And here, verse 3, is where I really want to bring back to verse 7. Note the connection here. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The idea here is a well that is never-ending, that is overflowing, that there is no limit to the water that is there. That's the same song that they're singing here in Psalm 87. All my springs are in you. All that I need. But joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. It's a testimony of Psalm 87. This will be known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Joel 3.18, Ezekiel 47, both speak of actually a, a literal river, river that flows from the temple, that flows from Jerusalem. God will provide all that they need. All my springs are in. I think, after you study this psalm, after you spend time in it, that our hearts are kind of knit to the psalmist's heart. It's easy to understand why he was so excited, why he was so overcome. He just starts running. He doesn't even identify who his is. He just says, his foundation is in the holy mountain. And our hearts cry with him, come, Lord, Jesus, we long for this day. We long for that day when we, we sing with all these other nations gathered in Jerusalem, this, this multi-ethnic, all my springs are in you. You, God, who, who was our enemy, we were your enemy. And yet you have invited us to your city, to your table, so that we may worship you. What a beautiful psalm. A psalm that encourages us. It's a beautifully placed psalm because where we're going, Psalm 87, next week, it's pretty heavy. It's not the most exciting psalm. 
So it is good in, in the Psalms, which are often are very heavy, to find a Psalm like this where we just take a breath and our God is awesome. And we long for that day and we're excited. And, and, and it's Psalms like this that, that remind us that God is great and he is doing something and, and we are a part of this and it is a privilege to take his name to the nations. His renown. And so we rejoice with the psalmist, rejoicing at what God will do. And so you come back to the beginning and, and the excitement in this psalm. Even as the, the psalmist overflows praising Jerusalem, we see now that it's not just Jerusalem. It is the God of Jerusalem. That's what he's writing about. That's what he's excited about. What God will do in Jerusalem. And so we rejoice with him. I want to read that song we sing. Glorious things of thee are spoken. If you, it, really, this week was the first time we actually connected this song to this psalm. I just thought it was just a random song someone wrote. It comes almost directly. I want to read the first two verses again. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken formed thee for his own abode. That reminds us of verse 1, does it not? This is his foundation. On the rock of ages founded, what can shake thy sure repose? With salvation's walls surrounded, thou mayst smile at all thy foes. Because they're joining you to praise God with you. Verse 2, see the streams of living water springing from eternal love. Well supply thy sons and daughters and all fear of want removed. Who can faint while such a river ever flows their thirst to assuage? Grace, which like the Lord the giver, never fails from age to age. It's a beautiful song. Beautiful song. Founded and grounded in a beautiful psalm. So. With that, we're going to take some prayer requests.